The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Welcome to the Steelers Outpost Podcast, a proud member of Sports Drink Network. It's May 23rd, 2021. This is Tom coming to you from Sawdust Studios in the Washington, D.C. Outpost. Nick joins me from the Houston Outpost. You may have thought there wouldn't be a lot of news this week. Well, in fact, we started digging and peeling back the layers of the onion. We found a lot of exciting news with some implications for the Steelers, starting with the loudest trumpet in the locker room of the Steelers is Juju Smith-Schuster. Juju, we always got news. Dad, you got to think more like a millennial here. There's always a minute piece of information that you can talk about. Always. And especially, yeah, when you have Juju on the team. Um, But this is the NFL we're talking about. We could talk about this eight hours a day, every single day. Sure, it's easier when there's trades and draft picks and games and results. But there is an infinite well of opportunity when it comes to talking about some of this stuff. And Juju has helped us out with that because it sounds like Juju hasn't just hinted, but basically dropped the, the, the release here of this is going to be Ben's farewell tour. Now, I don't know if you can find the quote, Dad, find the quote in particular, but Juju has said, like, look, we've, I talked to Ben before the season. We only have 17 more games together. We want to make this uh, the most of it. Um, to me, I don't think... I don't even know if Ben thinks this is his last year. When you look at it contractually, the way they structured it all and just where he's at in his career, yeah, of course you could say this is going to be the last career, but I do not think that his mind is made up that way. We've talked about it on the podcast before. When he released that that, uh, hype video before last season started, he said from a whirlpool, so you know it's serious because it got the Jets going, the whirlpool is like a truth serum, all right? And so when you're in that thing, you're not lying. No. And he said he wanted to win championships, plural. So unless he was just planning on winning two quick ones and getting out of there, I think he views himself as being able to compete in the league for a while. And I bet you our theory was correct about how he felt after the Browns playoff debacle. I, I would guess, knowing Ben, he thought, I just threw for 500 yards, basically, right? Like, obviously, I'm not even close to washed up. So... Juju dropping this news, I don't even know if Ben knows if it's his last year. But if Juju did say this, it would be a little bit of a misstep in my opinion because Ben has not said anything about this. Ben's camp hasn't said he's going to retire. So he might be spilling the Juju beans a little bit there. What do you, what do you think of that? I mean, granted, we know that uh, some people are going to say Juju did it, so it was uh, heinous. And other people are going to say Juju did it, so he can do no wrong. But it just sounds like... Much to do about nothing? What do you think? Apparently, the original quote came from Inside Hook, and I'll, I'll read what they reported. 
being able to play with Ben again for one more year, I believe right now on paper it is his last one. I think it is, unquote. He went on to say, he's done so much for me over the past four years. I had an opportunity to go to two different teams with two young quarterbacks who have tremendous careers ahead of them. But as far as Ben, this year is special because it'll be his last, end quote. That's pretty specific. He's not hinting around. He's not dancing around that. But he's giving it. He did, you know, he's acknowledging it's his opinion. When Ben said he wanted to win Super Bowls, you know, there's how perfect are you in your language? How precise are you when you, you're saying something, you're full of emotion? Um, I don't know. I, I kind of I still think Ben's Ben's in here for more, more than one year. I do. Yeah, I know. And you're right. You're not precise. You're not an attorney. But generally, Ben is. And the quarterbacks are. Because they wait. He, he recorded that message. Hell, he could have. that could have been the seventh take from the Truth Whirlpool. Right? So I think that with Ben, with Aaron Rodgers, with Tom Brady, with, the, with Russell Wilson, their language is very strategic. Whereas Juju sort of contradicted our opinion a little bit within his interview. At first he said, I think this will be his last. I'm guessing this will be his last or whatever he said. And then the final sentence is, it will be his last empirically, right? So with Juju's, I almost look at that as like, yeah, this is a guy who doesn't speak professionally talking in a, you know, an interview setting. And there's no information to be gleaned from his use of verb choice there. Okay, good point about Ben that he, that, that, that was uh, somewhat scripted, but what's the part, what would you believe then? The scripted statement by Ben or, you know, Juju's sort of impromptu from the Whirlpool comment? I, I genuinely think that nobody knows. I think that if this year sort of sucks, there's a chance that Ben could be like, okay, I, I am out of here. There's a lot of hurdles to overcome contractually and health-wise. But then again, Ben is so competitive. I know they say that about every you know, quarterback, but that's really at the core of Ben is like feel, competition. There's not a lot of thought that goes into it. He just gets out there and slings it. So maybe if he sucks, he's like, well, if he gets any hint of good play at the end of the year, he's going to want to come back to avenge himself. Because he said last year, yeah, he, wanted, he didn't want to go out that way on that hurt you know, arm. Uh, if they do really well and they get to the second round of the playoffs, like, oh, he's coming back for sure. Just, again, look at the Drew Brees mold in New Orleans and to be like, I suffered through this whole second era of my Steelers career where I finally blossomed into the best player on the team. I was the real leader um, and superstar player of the team, whereas the first half of his career, you know, you could argue that the defense was – well, you don't argue. The defense was the main character. Now, we've talked about how unbelievably underrated. He was a superstar already. I mean, you're playing – who else has won a, lot, a Super Bowl with the worst line in the league and with offenses where the plan was basically like, yeah, j- there's no plan. Just get back there. We're going to run it a bunch, and then hopefully you just make a couple 50-yard bombs. Like, so Ben was a stud. But I guess what I'm trying to say is like when it all came together offensively, the Steelers haven't been able to get over the hurdle, and I think that Ben, if he gets a taste of it, even if they got to like the divisional round this year, he would come back. And so I don't know if anybody knows. They usually go until they can't go anymore, these guys, right? Yeah, they sort of go to the end of the cliff. Yeah, I kind of think you're, I, I think you're right. I think he's, he'll make up his mind when he gets there, and I'm not sure what it would be. Maybe winning the Super Bowl puts an end to it for him. Yeah. Coming close maybe puts him, in, uh, puts him back on the team next year. 
a complete collapse also puts him back two years. Right? <laughs> what is the perfect situation where there's enough success so he feels like, all right, that was a good note to leave on, but not so much where he thinks we could win next year? Because if they win the Super Bowl, by the way, what if he looks around like, we can Elway this. My idol is John Elway. That's why I wear number seven. He won two Super Bowls on the tail end of his career with a young, phenomenal running back named Najee Terrell Davis. Excuse me. And now I'll come back for this one instead of riding out with the sunset like Jerome does. So who knows? I think that only he knows. And to me, it just all revolves around the arthritic knees. It's pretty awesome. Thank goodness his arm isn't shot yet. There is a vision of the team where he could still be really good this year, but he would have to make a lot of adjustments. Um, a lot of them. You got to play under center more to, to, to really be able to be a running team. You know, you got to be able to be accurate when they don't give you 30, 40 throws, right? We've talked about how we struggle with that before sometimes. Like, what was it, 2016 or 17 when they were giving the ball to Le'Veon 40 times a game and nobody could stop Le'Veon, but Ben couldn't get a rhythm passing. So a lot of stuff has to come together for this Steelers team. But, you know, hey, there's reasons to believe that the decision could be difficult for Ben because, you know, the horizon is still bright for the Steelmen. So after seven seasons, Morgan Moses' tackle for the Washington football team is cut. Is that an opportunity for the Steelers? But before we get there, let's talk about the, the circumstances under which he was cut. What do you have on this? Because they reported that Morgan Moses, a really good starting tackle for Washington, who has started every game since 2015, has been cut. Now, I think they took Cosme in the second round, right? We, we profiled him, the Texas offensive tackle. And so they got guys at the position, but I, I still don't totally understand why they would get rid of this guy right now. So maybe there's something that we don't know. And almost having this segment verges on, you know, that talk of whenever a player gets cut. Any fan of your team, whether you're a Steelers fan or you're a Lions fan or a Buccaneers fan, you're going to say, we should sign him. Well, it's very applicable to where the Steelers are right now. We all thought that they would get tackle help. We all know they need tackle help because you're rolling the dice on two basically unproven commodities and Chooks and Banner. And they need it right now. They're in the window. They're pushing all their chips into the middle. This is the perfect team to sign a Morgan Moses. Like the Jets are another team. Oh, they might want another tackle. I know they have George Fant starting at one position, but do you need him right, right now? You're a young team. You're on the rise. You have plenty of time to get the tackle. It does make sense for the Steelers, but monetarily, I don't know how you make it work. But then again, it does seem like there's always a way with this flexible salary cap. So I would hope they're at least pursuing this opportunity because if the Steelers could make a Vance McDonald Joe Hayden type end of the offseason acquisition at cornerback most importantly but then also at edge where they showed interest in another Washington player Ryan Kerrigan who went to the Eagles so you see the Steelers are looking um, if they could get edge tackle or corner you would you could change your whole opinion on the season if you get a Morgan Moses at tackle a real starting tackle a proven guy he is an Iron Man. He has started every game since right after his rookie year. He is expensive. I mean, if you if unless the Steelers get some kind of deal, he was averaging seven and a half, seven point seven million dollars a year. I don't know if you pay that guy who doesn't have a job and a year of a constrained salary cap, maybe a one year deal, to have somebody like that on your team. Well, they still have some flexibility, right? They can restructure to it in Boswell still. Yeah, you can do that. I'll tell you, I'd rather spend the money in the defensive backfield, to be honest. Well, 
There is one corner out there who's a bona fide starting corner who apparently has offers from every team yet still isn't signed. That bridge is burned with Steven Nelson, right? There's no way. But how hilarious it is, is it that the Steelers have a glaring need at cornerback and there's a good starting cornerback on the market and it's the guy that kicked out uh, with some animosity between the two sides, it seems. Um, I, I, I cannot believe that Steven Nelson would not get a job anywhere. I'd be surprised if he doesn't get a starting job somewhere else. Corner is impossible. It's rare that a team has two good ones, let alone three. So that's why I think it would be highly unlikely for him to come back to the Steelers when he would have, I would assume, similar offers elsewhere. And they've probably just moved on from that. But you're right. I would rather take the corner, but I don't know who's out there. And are you going to take a Boykin situation again? Or like Justin Gilbert? That's usually what the Steelers have done in the past, like a, a high pedigree guy who sucks and doesn't pan out at all. Or are you, you know, Wilcox at safety from the Buccaneers? Those have never panned out. I sort of like the idea of a Morgan Moses. We know he's available. Um, now, obviously, I'm saying who knows if financially you could even make it fit, but it's definitely something you should pursue hardcore. And if they didn't, I'd almost be worried about the blind faith towards towards Banner and Chooks. While I do acknowledge, you know, it might not be totally blind because they've seen these guys practice, but the first game, man, the Giants game, the one game that Banner played in, our buddy Derek at Derek the Kid on Twitter posted a bunch of clips from that game. It's brutal. He he was horrific. He was just as unathletic as he looks. Banner, and uh, <clears throat> excuse me, I don't I don't care if you had great preseasons. Like you, woo. I'll, not saying he's not going to be good, but I'm not saying it's like um, who was the player? We had some guy. Oh, like Mike Hilton. You've never seen this guy play in the game, but the reports of him from training camp and what he did in preseason games were so obvious that this guy could play. Oh, put him in. Banner's not that. It is a real roll of the dice. Not to mention that Chooks was in a highly rated tackle last year either. And I know we don't put 100% stock in some of these ratings, but he was rated near the bottom. So that tells you something as well. Yeah, exactly. There's, there's reason to believe that they could be good because they've also flashed good things as well. I mean, particularly... When catching the ball downfield, hypothetically, Zach Banner. But what we're trying to say is there's equal amount of evidence showing that they, they might not be good. Rather than a Alex Highsmith, you know, we haven't seen him start the whole year. We don't know how well he's going to do. But damn, he made the most out of his opportunities when he had them and made splash plays. James Conner's another one. You remember when he came in and he would get his one 10-yard carry every game spelling Le'Veon or D'Angelo Williams? And there was reason to believe, well, I have seen him succeed. Um so, anyways, uh, Morgan Moses being out there is pretty interesting. And if he got cut, there's reason to believe maybe other players will get cut. And hopefully it is a corner that the Steelers could pick up. Because I do agree with you. That's probably the bigger priority. Sports. Culture. Takes. Take Line has it all. Take Line is a weekly podcast hosted by Emmy winner Jason Concepcion and former WNBA champ Renee Montgomery. It's a fast-paced exploration of the NBA and the world of sports and culture. Each week, Jason and Renee talk about the games, players, controversies, and issues that run both on and off the court. Follow now to hear Take Line every Tuesday, wherever you get your pods. Locker Room. Locker Room is a live, audio-only sports talk platform that's free to download and easy to use. You can talk to us. You can talk to other fans. You can talk to athletes and insiders in real time. And guess what? You don't have to hear anything about anything else that's going on in the world because this is the locker room and what happens in the locker room stays in the locker room 
Woo, that's, that could be actually kind of dark when you think about that a little bit more. But you know what I mean. I'm saying you got the freedom to sit here and talk about sports. We don't have to bring anything else into it. Tons of content. And the best part about this is you can join in on actual conversations with people. And that's what's fun about sports. Like we told you at the beginning of this episode, there's always something to talk about. Even more so if you download that Locker Room app free in the iOS store, create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the group. The Steelers are almost wrapped up in the signing of its rookie draft class, having brought on Buddy Johnson, Dan Moore Jr., Isaiah Loudermilk, Quincy Roche, Trey Norwood, and Presley Harvin. That leaves only Farmouth and Najee Harris. Two critical members. Yeah, I mean, just hopefully it all goes off without a snafu. I think the only major issue contractually in signing a draft pick in the past few years was either Joey Bosa or Nick Bosa out in California. And otherwise, you you expect that they'll get this thing done. Um, not, and Najee Harris can get to his 40 or 50 touches a game, which is what Cam Hayward said he was going to get on an interview on Good Morning Football that people actually reacted to. And maybe that does fly in our face about there's, there's always something to talk about, right? Because it's like it goes back to what you said before. Look, you didn't, Cam isn't writing the stuff out. Cam's a man. He's a leader. He speaks best and, you know, outdoor voices. He's not a given interview guy. Like, he can interview fine, but he's never going to say anything that moves the needle either way. I don't think uh, he was really thinking that hard when he said 40 to 50 touches. But I guarantee you, there will be one 40 or 50 touch game because it happened to Le'Veon, and that's what um, uh, Mike Tomlin loves. But no, he's not going to get 40 or 50 touches a game. And I guess they got to sign him first before we even get there. Juwan James. Tackle for the Denver Broncos tore his Achilles while working away from the team's facilities and now has been cut. What are the circumstances? And, you know, I don't like to get into the fairness of things and the justice. I mean, there are rules that govern these things. It's just, it just seems like a very bad story to me. Yeah, well, there's fairness in business and, and then there's fairness in life, right? And this sort of blurs those lines. The reason why we wanted to cover this and another story at the end here is just because it's an interesting conversation. The past few years have been, they're always contemptuous years when you're talking about the NFLPA versus the NFL, the Owners versus the Players Association. Um, But it's been really interesting with the CBA negotiations and then the post-COVID fallout. So the players got a taste of life without the myriad, myriad of off-season required activities last year, and it sounds like they liked what they had. We all know the discussion. We've talked about it before. Veterans don't want to do off-season training programs with the, with the team because you really don't need them. You can actually get better work done with personal trainers who have personalized training programs for you and your position group and your play style. You know, Aaron Donald is certainly training differently than Stephon Tuitt, and they basically more or less play the same position. Um, interior defensive line, right? But... Um, uh, like it's critical for rookies to get this acclimation phase. And it's also maybe their only chance to get in front of a team. So the NFL PA though, is trying to say like, Hey, do not, we've worked to negotiate for this. So don't go to off season activities and the NFL teams who famously, they want as much control as they possibly can. The football coaches themselves want as much control as they possibly can. They want you in the building, but they're saying, okay, uh, don't work out in the building. But if you get hurt, it's not on us. And Juwan James got hurt towards his Achilles. 
They don't give him any money. Had a $10 million contract. He doesn't get any of it. He gets cut. And that is fair by the ruling of, um, you know, arbitration. Those are, quite frankly, point blank period, the rules. But fair from a human standpoint, it seems messed up. So I don't know what you want as, as the players. What do you think about this situation? I think it's, yeah, there's a dichotomy. Well, I guess it's in the rules, but that seems messed up. Well, here are some things that are in the rearview mirror. The NFLPA had a chance to consider this or cover this when they ratified the last tr- contract. They landed where they did. I mean, if uh, workouts take place outside of the facility, that is on the player. This also shows the wisdom of B.J. Finney's approach. Remember, I mean, we think he got hurt, not not physically, but he was hurt uh, with the Seahawks not, not yeah. playing any snaps because he was not prepared. But this just shows you the wisdom of not preparing because he couldn't prepare with the team on his own. He could have injured himself and jeopardized his, you know, his entire contract. And now we will see how that pays off. Did he, is he going to have lost a step because of taking that year off? But you're right, he didn't get Juwan James. So you see that certain players are aware of this. And to me, if I were a player, like, I would see no way around it. Like, I got to work out. I, I got to be ready because otherwise someone's going to take my job, even no matter how good I am. But, damn, that just sucks that they can't have a, some sort of formula where these guys are getting rewarded for being able to work out and be prepared. Because I think with a lot of these NFL guys, you know, some guys don't, don't prepare. But for the majority, these are professionals. Like, they're not, like, you could rely on them to go get in shape outside of the team. Um, so I, I don't really know what to say as far as that goes. But it's such a bum- bummer. And before you guys ask, Achilles is a, a full year. So, no, Juwan James, not an option. It appears that the Jacksonville Jaguars are employing a bit of clickbait. Yeah, Tim Tebow's signed. They paid him $900,000. Hey, you haven't played in the NFL for nine years, and you were pretty terrible when you did play. Let's see about tight end. Okay, we've all heard about this all week long, right? I think Pat McAfee put it the best on his show where he said, look, yeah, it's not fair, but people should stop acting like they're surprised. The NFL is a business and it conducts itself like any other business. It's relationships. It's who you know, not what you know. Okay, it is a meritocracy to an extent because a good player is going to make you good money, right? So it's in your best interest to put that guy out there. But Jacksonville, is, they're a bunch of weirdos. They're always trying to move to, uh, to London. They you know, cut their best players frequently. They have a great team, usually for about a three-year stretch, and then they're the worst thing you've ever seen for a 10-year stretch. And they think that the addition of the most heralded quarterback since Andrew Luck, the most famous college player of the past decade, along with his running back and one of the most famous college coaches of the last two decades, is not enough to get butts in seats because Tim Tebow, Florida hero, Nine and four record wins the Heisman, even though he's surrounded by future Hall of Fame NFL players. He will put the butts in the seats that we need, particularly because Urban Meyer was his coach and he has called him a son figure to him before. So that's what this is about. It's a sideshow. Tim Tebow, I've, uh, I don't care about the, you know, the playoff loss uh, to Tebow. Like, obviously, it's embarrassing. And we mentioned this a few weeks back. It, we didn't realize it at the time. But it was the first in a series of embarrassing playoff losses when you talk about the Jaguars one and then now the Browns one. So whatever. But it's hard to explain to people if you can't, you know, 
see, if you're a blind person is what I'm saying, that Tebow's not even borderline a, a, a quarterback. I mean, the guy, throw, the ball will come out of his hands as a duck. It will go end over end. Yeah, sure, once in a while he'll, he'll complete a pass. But I'm being completely serious with you that so could I at that level. Like, there's a lot of people in America who can throw a spiral 40 yards sometimes, right? Mine's not sometimes. It's but um, regardless, the guy was on an absolutely stacked team at Florida that won the national championship his freshman year with Chris Leak leading the team, and they tried to pitch him pigeonhole him in there okay they didn't need him they had marquise pouncey joe hayden bunch of steelers aaron hernandez and uh you know gino atkins it was it was like a, one of those old school miami teams it, they were superstars everywhere they won the championship without him then they won it within him with him and then he went he loses four games his final year right okay what about um the broncos they win a, a playoff game against the Steelers that had 10 starters out of the game and Ben Roethlisberger playing on a high ankle sprain. I'm not making uh, excuses. I'm just saying put it into perspective. This is the whole NFL problem. There's no context with any of these wins. It wasn't this glorious job of Tim Tebow leading the, Steeler, the, the Broncos against the Steelers. He was just there. They immediately cut him the next year and go to the Super Bowl. <laughs> I mean... Like, he's been surrounded by... He's not a good player. And I've started to wonder if he's not a good person. Okay, no, he's clearly a good person. He does missionary work and stuff like that. But I do think he has a massive douche side to him that he doesn't realize. Like, I feel bad for him. But the fact that he just can't let it go, the fact that he's not a professional athlete, is annoying. Like, he goes to minor league baseball. I believe uh, his stats were 16 home runs. That's pretty good. And wait for it. Over 300 strikeouts. He was terrible. The only, some people might be, oh, he played professional baseball. No, he's a sideshow who put butts in seats and sold tickets to professional baseball for a while. So he wasn't good at that. He wasn't good at quarterback. Maybe if you decided to be a tight end when you were younger, then you could have been that because clearly he's a big guy. But, like, he runs a 4'8". He's just a big goof. <laughs> he's very overrated. And he shouldn't be given this opportunity to play because he's taken it away from, you know, Stony brook slippery rock kind of guy who can make a couple grand a couple hundred grand uh, by actually deserving the spot and so it's a little annoying that he can't let go that way but to me my final thought on it is why, urban meyer you're a moron like why are you doing this there's they're gonna be sold out games anyways because you have freaking trevor lawrence you don't need this extra piece of the puzzle and this only confirms my bias against hiring those revered college coaches because they're weird socially awkward and out of touch I don't think I should say anymore. That's pretty good punctuation. <laughs> this, when I thought about this and you're in the point about selling tickets, it reminded me of the Washington Bullets. In they still, yeah, there were still the Bullets in 1987. They drafted Muggsy Bogues 12th in the draft. So Muggsy Bogues was the shortest player to play in the NBA up to that time. I'm not sure if that's in all of history, but he was a legitimate player. I mean, he was 12th chosen. The guy could dunk. I recommend recommend anybody check out YouTube and watch this guy's highlight tape. He was on the team in his rookie year with Manute Bull, who stood at seven feet seven inches, and that that is the longest, largest spread between two uh, two players on the same team ever, which was interesting. But it was kind of a sideshow back then, even though again, like I said, Muggsy was was a legitimate player. Oh, yeah. But it is it just goes to show you, this whole Tebow thing goes to show you that. 
the football is still just short of a ruthless business. There's a lot of ruthlessness, like we were talking about uh, Juwan before. Yep. But you could still, you know, friends still give friends jobs. I mean, we've we've talked about the Steelers forever and their defensive and offensive coordinator selections and how yeah. guys might stick around Carnell Lake and um, you know pick your guy Joey, Joey Porter. There's still room right. for improvement if you just you know make the merit 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 talk meritocratic choice. Mm. I bet it's even worse than we think it is. And I'd make that bet at Bet Online. This week is an explosion of sports action. When you say sports action for this week, I think Mount Vesuvius, MLB. Don't watch MLB. This, the Pirates lost by 19 runs the other day. NBA Ooh. and the NHL are in full swing. You can watch that because the Penguins are taking care of business, baby. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including all the leagues I just mentioned and all the other ones where you're allowed to punch people in the face like the UFC and MMA. Get all that latest news at Bet Online. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game, okay? Bet online. Ching, your online sports book experts. You work hard and play hard, so treat yourself and stock up for the summer barbecues with Kansas City Steak Company. Visit KansasCitySteaks.com and get ten percent off your order and free shipping with the code SD, which is Steelers Destroy at the checkout. From classic steak cuts to USDA Prime to American style Kobe, hard to find specialty cuts and more. Kansas City Steaks has everything you need to fire up the grill. They make it so easy. Each order from Kansas City Steaks is flash frozen and delivered directly to your home, satisfaction guaranteed, or your money back. Imagine relaxing in the backyard with family while enjoying a steakhouse-quality meal from Kansas City Steaks. Try their butter-tender filet mignon. Kansas City Strips, juicy steak burgers, all-beef jumbo hot dogs, and even complete meal combos. Bring the steakhouse to your house this summer with Kansas City Steaks. Go to KansasCitySteaks.com and get 10% off your order and free shipping with the code SD, Steelers Destroy. That's Kansas City Steaks, code SD, KansasCitySteaks.com. So, Nicholas, let's talk about Shakur Brown. I think this guy guy might be, I don't know if you could even call him the, I hope he is, but he might be the camp surprise. Why do you think that? This is the slow cornerback they picked up who didn't get drafted, right? I think he has a nose for the ball. He had five interceptions in 2020, 12 starts. Uh, That is the beef against Shakur Brown. He really shot himself in the foot with his uh, pro day, running a blinding 4-5-9 and a 4-6-3 in the 40. That seems to be the problem. Mm. But it's hard to But he played for a real team. He played for Michigan State. He's six foot, 180 pounds, five interceptions last year. It's hard because I, I can't say this will never work out for the Steelers since Mike Hilton worked out and Cam Sutton has worked out recently, right? Now, Cam was a third-round pick, but I'm looking at a scouting report right here. I haven't watched the guy. His ability to track the ball in deep zone is a bit in question after watching him lose track of the receiver. I'm assuming that's uh, probably draft network. Okay, so he's that's slow correct. and he can't track the ball or play zone. What do you do, sir? Football is who you know. He's got to know Tomlin somehow. Yeah, these are the type of guys you can't really get excited about. Corner is a no exceptions. You have to be fast. 
kind of position. Antonio Brown running slow 40 at his pro day is like, okay, he, he's probably faster than the four late fives than what he ran. AP wasn't a, a four three guy, but he's kind of the example people want to use. They're like, oh, he's not that fast, but he did well. Uh, Le'Veon, the same thing, actually. Um, well, that's different. There's a billion different ways you can play as a not blazingly fast receiver. You can be physical. You can be a great route runner. You can have great feel. You can just have great hands. Well, with corner, you need to be able, you need to be able to cover a guy damn downfield. And by the way, you don't know what they're doing. You just react to what they're doing. So your speed has to be such that you can react effectively. So this is a little worrisome to me uh, in terms of, well, it's not worrisome. It's just, I won't, you know, I'm not getting my hopes up too high, and I hope that they're looking for a free agent corner. But, hey, I haven't watched him play yet, so maybe it looks a little bit nicer than I think. Um, but I think there's generally a reason why guys don't get drafted. But, hey, it happened to Mike Hilton. Although usually that happens when they're in, like, a non-starting, when they get Willie Parkard when it, or Alvin Kamara, who did get drafted, right? It's like somehow he was the backup at a school where he was actually really good. Or maybe they were playing him slightly out of position. Those are the guys that I really like to look at. In the dearth of information that was this week prior to all this news spilling out of the internet, I was trying to come up with something to talk about today. And one of the things I looked back as I stepped back into history, I looked at the number one draft picks for each of the decades, 10 years hence, so not all the way through. But let me just go through this list and get your reaction to the players. And, and it's interesting. Uh, so I just went back to 1971. So each 10 years after that. So I'll go back to... So we know Najee Harris was our first-round draft pick this year. Seems like a can't-miss guy by all reports. In 2011, Cam Hayward was drafted, number 31 overall. Yep. Cam Hayward, two All-Pros, four Pro Bowls, and he's 24th on the active sack list. Yeah, Cam's pretty good. I agree. What a pick. <laughs> Moving backward. Two thousand one. You're not going to take a guess, right? This would be too too much to ask. Unfortunately, I have it right in front of me. I wish I had. Okay. His his first name also begins with C. Casey Hampton. Another C H actually. Oh yeah, that's interesting. Maybe we had a maybe there's a pattern there. Najee Harris and it. So Casey Hampton, thirteenth season, he started 163 out of 173 games and went to five Pro Bowls. No all pros, interestingly. Yeah, he should have been an All-Pro. That's a borderline Hall of Fame guy who will never have a chance to do it. But you talk to any of the guys on that defense, the first person they mentioned after Troy was Casey Hampton. And But there, he even played – oh, damn it. Who did he play with uh, at University of Texas? He was on Chris Sims' team, and there was another major beast. Was it the guy who got drafted for Detroit? I can't remember who it was, but he had a kind of a twin on University of Texas, who was an absolute monster as well. Not a literal twin, but, you know, another big guy. But Casey, all-time underrated stealer. This guy that we drafted in 1991, I had no idea, mainly because we're, Mom and I were probably busy with you and your colicky self for that year. Yeah. Uh, Huey Richardson, chosen 15th overall. He played exactly five games for the Steelers before getting cut and moving on to, like, Washington and the Jets for a couple of games, and that was the end of his career. What I read about him, he, he was a defensive end who was uh, built for the college game, but not for the three professional 3-4 three, formation and just washed out. There was an interesting story about him on Wikipedia. Mm. He, was, he had a meeting scheduled in the World Trade Center during the you know, ill-fated yeah. day, but he was in the lobby 
ready to go up to his meeting when the uh, airplane hit and he was able to get out oh, alive. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. I was going to make a snarky comment at first about 1991. He's the 15th pick in the draft, and all he plays is five games. That would never happen under Chuck Noll or Bill Cower. Can you believe that Mike Tomlins had two draft picks that weren't first ballot Hall of Famers before? He sucks. This would never have happened under Cower and, and, and Chuck Noll's watch. Mm, there. Uh, 1981 saw the drafting of Keith Gary, number 17th in the draft. Did you remember his name? Keith Gary, of course. He has two first names. That's the first thing I always think about when it comes to Keith Gary. I'll tell you that much. So Keith Gary actually declined to play for the NFL and played two seasons in CFL before coming to the Steelers for six for six seasons, starting about half the games. He had a great first uh First season with seven and a half, well, great ish, seven and a half sacks. But he is well known for one of the most vicious face mask penalties against Cincinnati, grabbing Kenny Anderson and wrenching him right out of the game. But back then, it was only worth like a 15 yard penalty because he was able to play the, most of the rest of the game until he had a second penalty. And then finally, Sort of just at the dawning of the Super Bowl years in 1971, we drafted Frank Lewis, eighth in the draft. So he played seven seasons for the Steelers until ending up with the Buffalo for six seasons. He started mm. about half the games. Um, his high was uh, the year we drafted Stallworth and Swan. In 1974, he had 30 receptions, and he led in yards. And then he quickly went uh, downhill after that and took uh, rightfully took his exit and had an okay career in Buffalo. Good for you, Frank. I'm another double first name guy. Tune into every week for these little fun factoids that I, <laughs> I have plenty of time to do. It is so wild to walk down uh, memory lane there. Well, not memory lane, historic lane. And even the concept of the Steelers drafting people in the first round who aren't known household names. It's weird. Like, oh, yeah. There were other years in there. And then you see one in 71. You're like, damn, Frank, poor guy. You, just, you missed out. So Frank Lewis came. I do remember Frank Lewis. He came in when Ron Shanklin, who actually was, uh, you know, poor Ron Shanklin. I mean, he, he was just a little premature on the Steelers, you know, right before they ascended. But he yep. was sort of the guy at that time. Oh, that's brutal. So I'm sure more will happen this week. Hit us up on Twitter at Steelers Outpost. Shoot us an email at SteelersOutpost at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Until next week, go Steelers. Okay, bye-bye. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. 
and I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers. But you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.